Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. I'd like to welcome all of you and thank you for making the choice to listen to what I believe you'll find to be a, an insightful, fascinating, and uh, very worthwhile time because I've got a special friend that I'm going to introduce you to. And you are on the Great Automotive Experience. And remember, the Great Automotive Experience is defined as when the buying experience meets or exceeds the thrill of owning a new vehicle. So it's a pretty high bar. And I only have people on here who have either met it or raised the bar themselves. So uh, my guest today is a dear friend and automotive expert, Sean Green. Sean attributes his experience gained as a 23-year veteran of the U.S. Navy's elite submarine force as navigator and master training specialist as perfect preparation for his many successful roles along with a progressively oriented dealer principal, which we all know helps. He is currently in the position of Chief Training and Education Officer for the Hazelwood Auto Group, and during his 21 years of automotive experience, he has successfully worked in every sales position, ranging from sales and leasing to dealership general manager. Sean, it's a pleasure to have you here today as my guest on the Great Automotive Experience. Larry, it is truly my honor, my friend and colleague. And colleague, thank you. You know, Sean, we've all experienced the huge task of getting it right with the customers day in and day out. And some get it and many don't. My experience has taught me that we need to get it right with the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations of every associate in the organization. What has your vast experience in education taught you as to the secret sauce behind the great customer experience, and why do you believe that? You know, that is the universal question of everyone in sales, and uh, I'm glad you asked. What I learned early on was that transportation is a staple in not just American life, but generally around the planet. And as I retired from the Navy and wondered, what will I do next? I remember thinking I wanted to do something that was challenging, that would be useful, and that could change the current perceptions into something that was uh, fulfilling and promising for me, as well as whoever it was I was working with at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I'd been buying cars from this organization, even as a young sailor. And uh, they had said to me many times, good Lord, Sean, you know more about the cars than we do. You should come work for us. <laughs> and I said, oh, I can never see myself as a car guy. Are you kidding me? You guys have the worst reputations on the planet. And then it dawned on me. What a great place to start. Mm. Wow. I, could, I could change 
one customer at a time's perception. And in doing that, the paradigm of retail automotive sales. And I thought, what bigger and better and more fulfilling and rewarding challenge could I ever find? Wow. Wow. What a great, what a great way to begin. Indeed. How did that vision, if you will, of how you wanted to transform the perception that customers can have about the automotive buying experience? What kind of experiences did you have along the way that mm. uh, you found perhaps some of these customers came in with their mind already made up not to trust you? Well, frankly, I'd been one of those customers on several <laughs> occasions myself. And so I knew the mindset. And I remember thinking always to treat the customer just the way I wanted to be treated. And I have some pretty lofty expectations when I'm going to spend my hard-earned money, just like all of us do. Just a thought. <laughs> and so as I looked at myself in the mirror and said, what are you going to do different? Mm. I knew I was going to be bucking a system at the time that had been for decades oriented in one direction. And that was profit motivation and potentially do it our way, not yours. Mm. And so that's what I encountered early on. And I thought, okay, many times I thought I was going to throw in the towel, Larry, many Did times. You? Because remember, I wasn't a youngster when I started in this business. I was a 40-year-old man, and I already had some set perceptions of the way things should go. <laughs> and so as I encountered some of the resistance to my thought process about making it more about the customer, there were many times I thought, I'll never change this. Hmm. <clears throat> and so that, I went that about can be discouraging. Yes, indeed. So I went about the task. And luckily, just coincidentally, several people entered into my life in the organization that had similar concepts about that. Hmm. One of them was Rob Cologne, who I consider a dear friend and mentor, who you know very well as well. Um and so together, you know, we set about changing this paradigm. He really didn't know what I was up to, and I didn't know what he was about yet. But together, we created these experiences for customers that kind of was about changing their perception. Okay. And so the things we would do would be at delivery, you know, there'd be a bottle of champagne, there would be flowers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd always take a photograph of the customer with their new car. And slowly but surely, the other salespeople in the uh, front of the, you know, in the dealership could see the smiles on people's faces. And they go, well, who is this upstart going to come in and, you know, take over and show us what's what? <laughs> and so it became slowly but surely, it began to be something that everybody started doing. Ah. Okay. And so there you have the beginning of some positive change. And Absolutely. that was all I needed to fuel me to continue. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. you, you know, they, they, um, they talk about all of the individuals that are, because of this pandemic, have taken a pause and looked at, is this really what I want to do with my life? Is this enough money to sustain my life? And a multitude of reasons to end up going someplace else. And then when you look at the Gallup studies, it says people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses. 
Truly. How did that come into play as you experienced leadership yourself, um, attempting to make that transition? And, and did, did they, or is it a work in progress? Or, or how, how do you see that? Because it's so essential to, if we want to keep people. Sure. Well, as I said, when I came into the organization, into automotive retail sales, I had already been a leader of men. Submarine force at the time, 100% male. And uh, I had led large groups of men and had a fairly um, large responsibility on board the submarine, essentially getting it to where it needed to go and getting it back safely, Mm -hmm. which I considered uh, a privilege and certainly very challenging. So when I came into this organization and literally started at the bottom, you know, I had to be humble. I had to humble myself and make sure that I knew that the only way to win the hearts and minds of not only my coworkers, but my customers was to try and be an example for them and a role model. Hmm. As a senior chief petty officer in the United States Navy, that was what my upbringing was all about, is honor, courage, and commitment were the core values of the United States Navy. And I believed in them in them 100%. Hmm. So bringing that into this organization was, uh, it stayed with me constantly. And I, I have to say that over time, as I ran into various situations and was promoted up the chain based on sustained superior performance, because that's, that's what a champion is all about. As Michael Jordan says, I missed a lot more shots than I ever made. And believe me, I have failed multiple times. But I think having the combination of the experience that I had, the determination that I had, and one of my favorite words is tenacity. Mm. And with the company that we eventually evolved into being, it made it much more simple. And now I'm proud to be able to say that our owner, dealer principal, is completely committed to customer satisfaction, whatever it takes. Mm. Because we rightfully recognize if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. Yeah. Yeah. The buildings can burn down around you, but you can always count on your customers no matter where you go if you've taken good care of them. And that's what we aim to do every day. Beautiful, beautiful. And how how do you instill this in your in the people that come on board with your organization so that they didn't have perhaps 23 years of experience in developing core values and recognizing the importance of, of those as parameters to kind of guide you through your life. Uh, what about the, the, the new ones that are just first job, you know, checking it out? Sure. What is, what is a process that you folks uh, entertain with these people? You know, that's a really good question because as I mentioned earlier, that I had been a leader of men. And uh, as I rose through the ranks and now as the chief training and education officer, I managed several teams. One, the Internet department, which consists of uh, between 15 and 22 individuals and uh, what's called the quality assurance program, vehicle upgrade program, which has another 12 to 15 people. And it turns out. All of them are women except for one guy. And, and that, I thought, was going to be a big challenge. 
and early on, I think it, it probably was, but I changed my mindset because really, does it matter? We're all human. Mm-hmm. Our experiences may be different in terms of, you know, how we were raised, where we come from, what our economic background is, what our ethnic background is, but essentially we're all human and we have that in common. Mm. And I thought, well, what difference does it make if they're male or female? They're my team. Mm. Hmm. And I can lead them if they will listen, if they are willing to be open to some ideas, if I can hear them and they can hear me, I can help them succeed because that's what they wanted to do. They would not be here if they didn't want to win. And I do have a formula that I know has been successful for me. And I wanted to share that with them. Right. All right. And, And I'm sure you've had tremendous success as a result. It's amazing, actually. Um, I can remember when we first started in one of the uh, positions as uh, the vehicle upgrade program, we started at, I think, probably about 15 to 25 cars for the, you know, all seven of our stores. And we've uh, eclipsed 200 on several occasions. Is that per month? Per month. Per month. So we became such... um, an integral part of the operation that it is now a department unto itself and that the sales, the rest of the sales team recognizes the vehicle upgrade program as a mainstay in terms of the, the health and uh, well-being of the organization, period. Wow. Yeah. Same goes for the internet department. What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at Apernio.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at apernio.com in the shop. And now let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook. And what is the Vehicle Upgrade Program? Vehicle Upgrade Program is a, a, a program where our service customers who have been loyal to us, obviously, are given some very special privileges and acknowledgments when they choose to upgrade to their next vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, We recognize that if you're taking good care of your customers in this industry, probably 70 plus percent of them will buy another vehicle from you. So the whole concept of a concierge level treatment, which by the way, helped uh, some of your training in our organization, helped us recognize as the necessity to be able to uh, to perform at, you know, the Nordstrom's of the world, the uh, Marriott's of the world, the, the four and five star organizations. One thing they had in common was outstanding customer service. Hmm. So when people wake up in the morning, they don't to bring their car in for an oil change. They're not thinking about buying a car. <laughs> but through a series of introductions and having been taken care of at a concierge level, we introduced them to the topic of perhaps saving some money in an upgrade, um, 
some extra benefits because you're a loyal customer. And in introducing them to that concept and sharing with them some of the extra advantages they have as a customer of ours towards getting a vehicle that has more value, that's newer, that doesn't require the maintenance that their vehicle is going to eventually encounter and need in the very near future. They become open to that, their reticular opens, and they become a lot more receptive to the idea. And in very many cases, they are willing to make that change because they see the value in it. Mm. So it's a program that's designed specifically for our service customers to take advantage of some of the benefits of being with us. And uh, it's been pretty successful. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. So um, what have you found? It's a lot of the magic sauce, if you will. I mean, there's so many people that are so frustrated with with one of the most difficult elements within any organization, and it's it's human nature. It's our people because they can be unpredictable. They can come in with moods. They can have a great night and be on fire the next day. They can have terrible things happen at home, and it's hard not to bring that to work. How do you kind of gauge and what do you do when you witness someone who has perhaps brought some unpleasant experiences in that's kind of now reflecting on the, the, the customer experience, if you will. Um, what's your approach? And you're, you're specifically speaking about a member of our staff. Yes. That's, that's, you know, I come in as a member of the staff. I'm a little grumpy. I'm short with people uh, because I've, you know, I've just broke up with my girlfriend or I, you know, had an had an argument last night, or I found out that my you know water of all things was turned off. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, really easy. Okay. The concept of creating remarkable experiences for people has nothing to do with bringing my baggage into their lives. Okay. It's all about honoring them and what they bring and how important and special they are. So. When, we, when I see something, I'll just speak for me, when I see someone that's exhibiting less than the enthusiasm that, that we as a company expect from our employees, there's a couple things that come to mind. Um, first of all, it's not to be judgmental because we all have days that we may be off our game. And so it's really to engage with that individual and try and find out what it is that has them off their game. And through some coaching, help them see the value of, number one, why being here with us, if they reorient their focus, which is important if they want to have a a positive outcome with the people that they deal with all day, it means leaving that baggage at the door. Hmm. And oftentimes what we really need to do in our lives when we encounter uh, challenges such as that is exactly that, reorient towards the the positives and make sure that we're exhibiting the very best that we have to offer as a company to others. And that's an expectation for all of us in our company. And if that's not the way people think in any retail organization, then the environment becomes less than enthusiastic. Mm. It becomes less than fun to even be in. Yeah. 
So, so not engaging at all. It's not engaging. So that's really it. It's having a conversation with people and trying to identify where the issues are. But by no stretch am I, you know, a psychologist. So I'm not there to solve their problem. But I certainly can help them uh, visit that situation at a more appropriate time hmm. and make sure we refocus on the the, the uh, task at hand. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what um, what kind of guides you folks as far as what the expectation is in your organization? Well, we have a set of core values that someone um, that we know very well helped us implement, d- devise and implement, and that would be Mr. Olson himself. And we call them rich GP. Rich GPs. All right. Respect, integrity, commitment, humility, generosity, and professionalism. Good for Those you. Those are the guiding principles of our organization. And Larry, I'm here to tell you, and you know me well enough to know, that is extremely important to me. And I know all of the management team in our, in our organization. And we try to instill those rich GP values in every uh, new employee and just have it permeate everything that we do all the way up to and including our customer interactions. All right. All right. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome. By the way. Thank you for, for bringing that up. I appreciate it. <laughs> or did I bring it up? No, we didn't rehearse that, what my answer was going to be. So no, <laughs> that was spontaneous. How about that? How about that? How about so that? You know, it's, you know, it's really true. You know, a lot of organizations will bring someone in from the outside and they'll develop a sense of purpose and their guiding principles or values, whatever you want to want to give a name to them as. And and yet sometimes it just goes into a drawer and they don't look at it again. And, and then they wonder why amazing things aren't happening. What's different about how you go about in your culture to be able to keep it alive and fresh? Because people can get used to anything. Surely. It's important. Uh, well, I can tell you for sure, any meeting that I'm conducting begins with a purpose-driven engagement moment. Gotcha. Sweet. And in that moment that we take, in that time that we take, we reflect on one of those values up there and just try and develop it uh, into how it incorporates into our daily lives and why it's important. Hmm. And everybody gets a chance to contribute, but it is something that I'm committed to that, to your point, how some things can become stale. But when we find real life examples on a daily basis and we're aware hmm. that they exist and also that Sean's going to ask anyway at the next meeting. So maybe we better be paying attention. <laughs> yes. It's all about that awareness piece. Hmm. You know, we, you know, if, if individuals make a decision that they're going to drive their life in a direction that is on purpose, that they're not going to just haphazardly trip into every pothole that they run into, but they actually can direct. Um, Then we realize that those core values, when we're thinking about them, can change the direction of our lives and the quality of it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, that makes that makes an awful lot of sense. It's um, it's too easy with all the noise out there to be getting into the flavor of the month or the worst thing that's just happened on this planet or totally whatever it may be. And somehow there has to be a a light, a vision, uh, something greater than self to be able to pull us away from what can bring us down. And I got to tell the audience that to, since the first day I met you, you were that person for me. So I, I, I thank you for that because you, you all not only valued what it was I was doing, and I understand now after all the years we've been together, that it, that it was an alignment with what your belief system was all about. That's it. And, and so we were kind of kindred spirits, if you will, from that perspective. But also, I witnessed you in very, very tough situations. I witnessed you in, in scenarios where I would have probably quit. I would have responded in a very negative fashion. And I always always saw this little glimmer of wisdom come out of you as to as if you were going through which scenario do I want them to experience? <laughs> because you had to be emotionalizing the event. Sure. And and I tell you, that's that's something that you give to people, Sean, is they witness the work in action. It's not just words with you. It's a lifestyle. And if you could somehow package that and just kind of let that ooze on other human beings, which you do whenever you're around anyone, um, it's a phenomenal asset to any organization, any family. And it's why I call you my friend, among many reasons. Well, thank you, Larry. It's, as you know full well, um, we can say, all kinds of things. We can we can pat ourselves on the back whenever we feel like it, but it's through our actions and our deeds on a daily basis, under stress, under challenge, mm -hmm. that defines really who we are. Mm -hmm. It's what we do when no one else is looking. You know what that that reflects what's truly in our hearts. Yeah. And so you're right. That alignment with you. What came at a critical time in those early days in the business, mm. you know, uh, it felt to me like it was just meant to be. So my honor, courage and commitment values began to align with our rich GP that you helped us identify. And so I would say my favorite word relative to what you're what you're asking me was commitment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it, what, and what does commitment mean to you, Sean? Commitment means staying the course. Commitment means regardless of the challenges, if you believe in what you're doing, and there will be many, many, many roadblocks that you can expect along the way if it's something that is worth doing, generally speaking, and especially when it comes to dealing with human beings. OK, um, it takes lots of dedication and commitment to even with the smallest of visions, but one such as what I had, which was to single handedly, if necessary, change the paradigm of 
you know, how we interact with our customers and have them leave with a completely different mindset than what they arrived with, then, you know, I had to be ready for challenges. And I have to tell you, my, my life in general, as a youngster coming up in uh, New York and Philadelphia, mm. was no walk in the park. <laughs> um, and my time in the military also was very challenging early on because I didn't do well with authority, authority figures. Gotcha. I never really enjoyed being told what to do. <laughs> And so I had some early challenges that way. By the time I got to meet a guy like you, I figured that part out that, yeah, yeah. you know, we all have a boss of some kind, you bet. whether that boss is God almighty or whatever your higher power is, you answer to someone. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be in a position of influence and note that I, the word was influence versus power. Yes. Because I believe in my heart that influencing people is much more important than having power over them. Influence helps them decide on their own why they should be whatever it is that we're trying to influence them with. Mm. And so that makes it a choice. Mm -hmm. And we like choices. We do. We love choices. <laughs> That's why there's so many cars. <laughs> That's right. Well said. Well said. I, um, you know, you've you've shared a lot of profundity, if you will, in, in the essence of how essential of what you sh what you've talked to people about just now is whether we're at work or at home. What's what's guiding us? What's important to us? Certainly. And you mentioned something really powerful, um, and that is the commitment. That is the ability to, to hold on to that vision, to, to hold on to what you want and get through everything else that's trying to distract you or discourage you or Certainly. say no to you. And I know just from the 17, 18 months since I worked with you last, that you can get lost in in if you ever let go of what's important to you. And when you're not working and you're not out there, like a lot of people aren't, you don't get any validation. The only validation you get comes from your own conversation with yourself. Surely. And we all know how dangerous that can get sometimes that we do need so badly others. Right. And you are a blessing to that organization as you are to our listeners. Um, Continue to remember what an amazing influencer you are, and you described it so well. And with, with everything that's going on in all of our lives, and, and especially this time of year when we get into the holiday season and people <clears throat> have seen changes go on in their lives, and sometimes this is a reminder of it. And other times it can be the most amazing moment that one can experience, depending on the circumstances. Since we've, time, since we've wrapped up our, our short period of time together, and I told you it would fly by, what would you like to leave our listeners with during, during this time in their lives? Let me think about that a moment. As I share with my teams, 
uh, in our meetings and uh, in personal coaching sessions with them. The one thing that you can count on in this world is change. And how we receive that change and how we uh, reorient with it and from it is up to us. You decide. That's why the compass rose is my favorite symbol, not only because it was a part of my everyday life for 23 years in terms of finding direction, mm. northeast, south, and west. Gotcha. But because it's true that having a, a compass needle and deciding what direction that we each want to go, regardless of the magnetism trying to pull us off course, that's up to us. And so with pandemics and with uh, uh, political upheaval, religious uh, consternation, whatever that particular uh, issue is that's trying to pull our compass needle, we get to decide that direction. And as long as we are committed to that direction, which is where the commitment comes from, Many things are going to happen on this planet and in this world and in our lives. But we can make that change ourselves, no matter what it is. Beautiful. Very, very well said. Thank you. Yo, Larry, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with you right now. <laughs> you know, um, I sometimes would, would wonder if you thought, is this guy crazy? <laughs> I mean, because it's you could be on this side of it and I could be on that side asking these questions and this would probably go much the same way. It's so bizarre to me. <laughs> I, I believe it would. I believe it would. <laughs> and I I I know it, it sure resonates with me and I and I hope it resonates with our audience. Um, the importance of deciding what it is you want to become. What do you want to grow into? How do you want to show up? Regardless and, of the influences. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that power of influence. So I want to wrap it up and thank you again for the time that we've had together. And I want to thank all you listeners for taking your time to invest in yourself, to, to get some fresh perspective, to be able to look at the same differently. And hopefully it brings you some of that breathing spirit in, which is called inspiration. And with that being said, I also want to remind you that wherever you are in your life right now is exactly where you need to be. And it's just like Sean shared, it's the choice. It's to know the direction, know that you're going to get steered in a multitude of directions. But once you know the direction, the rest will take care of itself. And so thank you again, my friend. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope we have an opportunity to do it again. The pleasure's all mine, Larry. Thank, Thank you. you for the invitation. You're more than welcome. Listen up and you'll find out who our next guest will be. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Larry's next guest is Brian Johnson. Brian is the founder and owner of Maine and Johnson a company that assists small business owners in bridging the gap between the successes they have had and the successes they seek. Find out the secrets to bridging the gap in this insightful episode.